Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Callaway's Epic Driver continues to pick up big wins around the world. Last weekend, Epic picked up two more victories, including on the PGA Tour Champions, where Lee Jansen took home the win in a thrilling playoff finish. Over on the PGA Tour, rising star Sam Burns leads the FedEx Cup standings with his epic speed in the bag. All this success has helped Callaway strengthen its position as the number one play driver brand across the major worldwide tours this year. Go to CallawayGolf.com to find out which epic is right for you. Lav, Rory is back. Do you believe me? Yes or no? Yes, I believe you. Uh, I think first we need to revisit your podcast uh, from a week ago. Uh, when I when I begged for perspective for us to just hit the pause button on Roy McIlroy and let him work his way through these swing changes with both Pete Cowan and his childhood coach, Michael Bannon. And yet you didn't, you didn't want patience. You wanted Rory to continue doing Rory things. In fact, you called them the most inconsistent superstar uh, on the PGA sticking tour. With that. I'm sticking with that. You're not, yeah, I'm not. Even though Rory McIlroy two years ago was the PGA tour player of the year, statistically the best season of his life. That was just two short years ago. You disagree with the concept that Roy McIlroy is the most inconsistent stu- superstar in the game. Cause I believe you agreed with me last week. This is, this is you, this is maximum you with the guerrilla no. warfare where you're going to circle back around and drop hand grenades on what you felt like I said wrong. When in fact was Roy inconsistent or was Roy inconsistent this year? Yes, of course he was because he was yeah. going through a swing change. Give him time to get through that. He certainly appears like he's on the other side. Now is he all the way back? No, no, was this a huge step in the right direction? I think probably some validation that his mindset of kind of just going with what he has and not necessarily trying to add to his repertoire. Was that validation? Yeah, I, I do. But I do disagree with the notion that he is the most inconsistent superstar on the PGA Tour. That's just not, that's just not correct. I mean, he's a Who top would you 10 put ahead of him when he's, playing, when he's playing well. Who in the world would you put ahead of him? In terms of inconsistency? As a superstar, yes. Superstar, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Dustin no, right. Johnson. First off, Ricky Fowler's not a superstar. Bryson DeChambeau, these, these are all superstars. I, I mean, again, I will go back to, and, and you're leaning into the idea that, okay, he has done X, Y, and Z. I, I'm looking at just one number, and that's the only number that really matters in this. His last major championship came in 2014. Like, there's just no way around that. R- Roy McIlroy expects better of himself we expect better of Roy McIlroy this is not me being a prisoner of the moment this is me looking at you're always a prisoner of the decade body of work in the major championships when this count look the CJ Cup is great the Wells Fargo was great the work he's doing with Pete Cowan is great he's moving in the right direction the fact of the matter is 2014 that's the last time he won a major championship we we started there's only four of them a year well, I understand, but I mean, the last time he's he won was, 10 times on tour in the past 10 years, the last time he was in, even realistically in the hunt at a major championship was probably 2018 at the open when he finished runner up. I just don't, he was tied see, for the lead at Tory Pines like three I, months ago. I, I, I don't think there was any way you looked at that from the outset very, very quickly and thought he had a realistic chance. Again, he was literally tied for the lead. Superstar. How would you not think that he had a realistic chance? They, again, this is most. Uh, inconsistent superstar player. I'm not talking about what he may or may not do on a week-in and week-out basis. Roy will tell you at his stage in his career, at his level, he and the John Roms and the Dustin Johnsons, you're judged by what you do in the major championships. 
And Rory is almost a full decade removed from his last victory. You can sit here and spin it however you want, but the fact of the matter is he is wildly inconsistent. Again, I'm going to lean into the idea that this has been a, a great step forward for him. This season has actually been a pretty good step forward, considering that you're right. You didn't know what he was going to get with the swing changes with Michael Bannon. But before we I lean don't, into I don't that... Think- I don't think he has been inconsistent in the majors. In fact, he he has a con, he has a consistent issue with starting poorly in the major championship, which I think leads which me to some leads me to believe it's this is not a physical issue. This is not a physical issue for Rory in the majors. It is a mental one. Sometimes he cares too much, then he tries to convince himself that he doesn't care at all. He has perspective. He wants to be the alpha. I, he's he's torn between. between- being two different people. If you look at Rory's record in the major championships, he has not shot in this. He has, or let me put it this way. He has shot in the sixties to open a major championship just once over the past three years. Let me say that again. Over the past three years, he has shot in the sixties, actually twice over the past three years. He's shot in the sixties twice to open a major championship. That leads me to believe there is a block mentally. And that's when you start to get into what we've seen in 2021 where maybe he's chasing distance or maybe he's chasing trying to add a a cut to what has predominantly been a beautiful high draw off the tee he's searching for answers because he thinks there are some missing pieces that's where Rory McIlroy is in the majors it is a mental issue it is not a, a matter of being physically inconsistent and not bringing it each and every time he tees it up that's just that's just not true well, the fact he switched to a new swing coach suggests that there is something true to it. But what you just described, because he's searching, he's searching for something. It's inconsistencies. You're right. His first round in the major championships are awful, and that is by definition inconsistent. And that's why I'm going to, to stick by this. But he's been the consistently one thing that, awful. Uh, I wouldn't say awful. I don't think that's fair. I mean, I don't think you can't call again a superstar being the key part of that phrase. I don't want to say he's the most inconsistent player on the PGA Tour because that's wildly. Incorrect. But when you look at that upper echelon, the top 1% of the one percenters, Rory is going to be the guy that you expect to come in and do what he did at the CJ Cup. You have this idea that he can overpower the course and do the things that he did off the tee last week, but we just don't see it on a week in and week out basis. Certainly we don't see it at, at the major championships. I, before we go too far down this particular rabbit hole, because I think we'll continue to do Bryson this. Bryson is a far more inconsistent superstar. I'm going to put that out there. Far more inconsistent. Uh, I don't know if that's true in the major championships, but again, this is probably something we're, we're going to revisit. I also found it fascinating, and we both were, were listening in to Rory's Zoom call last week when he did the press conference, and some of the things that he said, and I think we touched on the emotions that he showed on Sunday at the Ryder Cup, they kind of came pouring out. And I found it fascinating because coming off of what was last year, the summer of mental awakening, at least when it comes to professional athletes, and when you have Rory, who is such an open book, he's almost like a case study where you can point to these different times in his career and say, I can imagine other players have gone through that multiple times for him to actually turn it around and say that he was being too easy on himself, that sometimes he allows him to get out of jail free. Mental issue. He was using it as a crutch. This is a guy. I don't know that he was. Issues are between the years. He said he, it was literally his words. I was using it as a crutch. He said that I was using it as a crutch telling myself that I've got balance and perspective. and I don't need it. And my life is great. He was using that as a crutch to justify some of his poor golf and big moments. Those were literally his words. And you make it easier. 
is what he's doing. Because I would argue that what he's doing is probably what every professional golfer, because of the nature of this sport, does on some mental level. The fact that Rory allows us a glimpse inside behind that curtain and gives us the opportunity to see, oh, like that's how difficult it is when you shoot a bad round and you have to go sit in a lonely hotel room and think to yourself, oh, I'm not a good person because of what I do professionally or don't do professionally. I, I find it fascinating. And you're right. It, he might have been using it as a crutch or I just find him to be a little bit more enlightened than maybe what I expect from a professional athlete from time to time, that he would come clean and say that, no, I need to let the emotions out and I need to let the anger back in that. Yes, that was a bad round and there has to be some sort of mental toll I pay and then move forward. So I have always, I've always thought this, and I think this has become plainly obvious in professional golf, that there are guys who they're just at different stages of their life. Like Rory's married, he has a, a young child. You look at the best players on the PGA Tour, by and large, they are at different stages. John Rahm just had a kid, a very young kid, but he's still very much young in his career. Dustin Johnson is kind of on the other side of that. His kids are starting to grow up now. Kyle Morikawa, no kids, bachelor. Patrick Cantley, no kids, bachelor. Xander Shoffley, just got married. Bryson DeChambeau, no kids, bachelor. Justin Thomas, no kids, bachelor. I mean, those guys can go full bore at it with none of these other, I'm not necessarily calling them obligations, but responsibilities, different perspectives, um, you, you know, things pulling at him in different directions. Roy used to be that guy. I mean, when he was 24 years old, when he was winning major championships in 2011, 2012, 2014, he was that guy. He could just go after it full bore. I think he's just stuck in this weird limbo of his life right now where he's trying to figure out whether he wants to be that stone cold killer like he used to be, or if he can still be a dominant presence while being just incredibly human and introspective and well-rounded. That's the, that's the battle that Rory has within. I'm not sure the CJ cup necessarily validated his belief one way or the other, but that's, that's the limbo that he's in right now. I can imagine young Cam peeking his head into your office right about now, asking him, obligations? Dad? That's what I am, Dad. Dad, am I, am I a responsibility? <laughs> Thanks for the love. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No, and I, I think to your point, he, he is stuck. And I think he's been stuck for quite a while because I, I'm sure he does want to be that cutthroat guy when given the opportunity like he was given this weekend at the CJ Cup to – okay, I'm going to go out there and beat the best. I'm going to beat Colin Morikawa. I'm going to beat Keith Mitchell. I'm going to beat whoever else throws anything up against me. That being said, he is probably, as I said, the most inconsistent. He's probably the nicest superstar player as well. Name someone that doesn't want to spend time with Roy McIlroy, and I'll point to someone that's never met Roy McIlroy. He's a good dude. And I think sometimes, and this was a knock on him earlier in his career, maybe he's too nice to be that guy that's going to step on your throat. I don't know if that's particularly true, but there's certainly something to it. That wasn't the case, certainly, in the prime of his career. I think there was, there was a lot of swagger to him. I mean, he was strutting all over the golf course. I remember the 2014 PJ Championship. He bristled at the notion that, that Phil and Ricky were, were, fist, were fist bumping each other on Sunday at Valhalla. That really ticked him off and, and propelled him uh, to his fourth major championship. He, he, he is not that same guy anymore, for better or worse. Maybe, you know, maybe professionally he's worse for it. I think it's, he's probably a better person than he was when he was 23, 24, like I hope all of us uh, are and were. Um, but, yeah, 
I mean, I think this is something he needs to figure out himself. It is no, it is not a physical issue when it comes to Roy McIlroy. It is very much a mental issue. You did mention Rex, uh, nice guys on the PJ Tour. Another guy who was on the short list on the PJ Tour is Ricky Fowler, and we came very close to having another entry in the year of the comeback. He entered the final round of the CJ Cup with a two shot lead. Putter went cold on Sunday, ended up finishing in a tie for third. That was his best finish on the PJ Tour in two and a half years. How encouraged were you by Ricky's performance? And are you willing to say that Ricky is hashtag back? I was about to say, we could just keep going with the theme, right? Ricky's back? Is that where we're going with this? I I don't know that he's back, but he's certainly moving in the right direction. And we talked about this last week. He had a chance to, to pop in and see Butch Harmon. And again, I... I contend that it's less about what Butch says about someone's swing than it is about the way Butch makes a person feel. And I think on some level, Butch just reminded Ricky that you're Ricky Fowler. But regardless of what's happened over the last two years, and as you pointed out, regardless of the finishes and the struggles and everything that's gone into those last four years, look in the mirror. You're still a world-class player. You've still won on the PGA Tour. You've still been the type of player that just annually – puts himself into, into contention. And he hasn't done that over the last few few years. And I think that confidence, combined with the work that he's been doing with John Tillery on his swing, finally paid off a little bit. If you look at statistically what he did off the tee, he was right behind Rory in strokes gain off the it was tee. The first, it was the first time, Rex, this was the first time that Ricky Fowler led the field in strokes gain tee to green since Houston in 2017. I mean, four and a half years ago was the last time that he was the most complete player with his ball striking in his all-around game. That's, that's incredible. Yes, and I, I counter saying that, and we just had this conversation about Rory and where he is with his swing with Pete Cowan, a new swing coach, and I don't know if you can call John Tillery a new swing coach anymore, but I would counter that along with the swing changes, there was going to be growing pains, but if you also factor in some of these finishes, Ricky has it putted like Ricky. Let's face it, I've never found him to be, at least by PGA Tour standards, an elite ball striker. He's always won with his short game and his putter. And for three days at the CJ Cup, his putter was there. And that's why he was right there in contention. Now it went cold on Sunday. But that's, that's a variable that he's used to being able to adjust to. It's the being inconsistent with his ball striking that's been the issue over the last year and a half. And I think with some sort of momentum, which is what we've probably seen this week, and you pointed out this year he's had a few opportunities, I, I think this does put him in the right place. Is he back? I don't know where that would have even put him on his career, because we could probably argue that he's probably been an inconsistent player throughout the course of his career as well. Here we go again, inconsistent. Well, but, I mean, I'm not the first one. Underachievers Underachievers the word you're looking for. He has not won enough on the PGA Tour. Yes, that's that's underachieving. Okay, then that's fine. I mean, whatever word you want to use, I mean, it's going to continue to come up over the course of his career. I always kind of bristle at that one, only because I got called out once by – a tour player when I asked him, would you consider yourself an underachiever? And he glared back at me and he goes, I'll even say who it was. It was Davis love. And and it was very early in my career. 20 something times on the PGA tour. This was before he'd gotten to 20, but that that's neither here nor there. I think the conversation was as far as major championships, go back to Rory and, and where we were with that. And he glared back at at me and he goes, have you underachieved in your career? And I just kind of shrugged and yeah, I probably haven't. have. I, I don't think there's, yeah, the ceiling was never in range for me, if I'm being honest. But no, I think Ricky should be encouraged. I traded text messages with John Tillery, a swing coach, on the way home from Las Vegas. And probably the one thing that stood out to John 
is how comfortable Ricky felt on Sunday going into the final round with a lead. He said there weren't any nerves. He was calm. It had been a minute since he'd been in that situation. So it was a good sign for him. The one that, and we should never, I never want to let Twitter sort of dictate the content, but it was an interesting conversation on Twitter this weekend. It is 25 under too far under par. Like, is that, have we reached the tipping point? I don't know that we have, but Twitter seemed to think so. And that was Rory's I mean, this total. I mean, the, the, the summit club is just not a PJ tour venue. It's a, it's a, it's a venue for high rolling folks in Vegas. It is not suitable to, uh, test every facet of a PJ Tour player's game. Obviously, this tournament very well could have been canceled. It's typically played in Korea because of the pandemic. They moved it to Vegas. I think every PJ Tour player who was in attendance was very happy to receive that large purse and to make a bunch of birdies. But I think Justin Thomas had 29 birdies in an eagle, um, and he finished outside the top 15. That's a little bit of a problem. It was a one-off. Summit Club will never again host a PJ Tour venue, but just to kind of button up this point on Ricky and, and whether he's back. Uh, I don't think he's back. Certainly in, uh, a great step in the right direction. I don't think you can be Rex you, all the way back until you can actually set your own schedule. And he is in a position at 82 in the world where he cannot do that. He is not in the Masters. He's not in the U.S. Open. He's not in the Open Championship. He's only in the PGA Championship. He's not even in the Players' Championship. Uh, the tournament that he won back in 2015 or any of the WGCs because of his perilous position uh, in the world ranking until he is able to once again play among the elite. He cannot be considered among the elite. Uh, If you're bouncing around the rest of the tours, Matt Fitzpatrick uh, shrugged off the disappointment of the Ryder Cup where he unfortunately Rex uh, had two levels of infamy. Not only did he become the first player in decades to fail to earn a point in his first two Ryder Cups. He was also he had the unfortunate honor of being the last player on the golf course against Daniel Berger, trying to stave off another American win. It would have given uh, the Americans their largest ever uh, margin of victory in the Ryder Cup of 19-9. And what does Matt Fitzpatrick do with all of that pressure, his entire team watching, every American fan wishing, hoping that they can shatter that mark? Well, he fatted his approach. Uh, on the 18th hole. Uh, it was an embarrassing moment for who was otherwise a very classy Englishman. So it was great to see him shrug up that d- disappointment just a couple of weeks later and win the Andalusia Masters. A guy who didn't even stick around for the weekend was John Rahm. His second miscut in just a couple of weeks, two miscuts. That's more than he had in the entire 2020-2021 PGA Tour season. Dude needs a break. He's going to get a break. He's taking the next four weeks off, so he doesn't even want see his golf clubs. Does this end-of-season stretch, Rex, sully in any way the way that you view John Rahm's otherwise incredible 2021 year? No, I think if, if anything, and it's we've spent the morning kind of talking about this, it, it's shown how special it's it's been for a lot of different reasons, and some of them odd and some of them are just unbelievable, but what he was able to do on the golf course. I mean, let, let's face it, it to have COVID twice, and I have no idea what physical toll that's going to take on someone's body, but just the idea mentally of how difficult that would that was. I mean, when you go into the final round, you would have gone into the final round with the six-stroke lead at Memorial. You would have won that by multiple strokes, but you have to WD because you tested positive for COVID-19. And then to do it again before the Olympics, where he would have been one of the favorites to win a medal simply because of the way he was playing. Again, I don't know what the physical toll could be, 
but the mental toll that it had to take on just the competitor had to be tough. And then you go to Eastlake and you get beaten by the small print that is stroke-based scoring and you probably should have won, but you didn't win. And then you, you get vote. You're not the player of the year because of po- a popularity contest on the PGA tour. Dude needs a break. He, he needs a, a me day. Let's go to the spa. Let's hang out. Let's get rid of the golf clubs because I watched him a little bit on Thursday playing in Spain. He made me tired just watching him walk around that golf course. I don't think Rex a spa day. Uh, with wife Kelly is, is going to cut it. This is a guy. Treat yourself day. How about a this treat a yourself guy, day? This is a guy who needs months off, plural, months. Uh, and with the exception of the European Tour season finale in Dubai, he is going to get it. He's not even playing in the Hero World Challenge, which is basically Tiger's gift to all the elite players by giving them some free world ranking points. He's not going to show up there. I think it's a little bit of a question mark where he is going to turn up are we going to see him in Maui are we going to see him in the Middle East on the European tour but not totally sure right now but John Rom is going to get a break obviously a well-deserved break you mentioned not just the fatigue of COVID or carrying his team at the Ryder Cup it's just the fatigue of playing elite level golf and leading a lot of golf tournaments over the past couple months you think about when this stretch began at the PGA Championship eighth there then he was essentially first at the Memorial before he had a WD, then seventh, third, third, ninth, and then tied for first, playing the best uh, golf along with Kevin Na at Eastlake and then being the absolute war horse and stalwart that he was uh, for the European Ryder Cup team. That's a lot of high-level golf that is taxing, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. I hope he can get the proper rest and recovery that, that he deserves over these next couple of months because you can't just – you can't just fully recover with a spa day or two to three weeks off at home. This is a guy who needs a, a full break. If you want to see him at the height of his powers to begin 2022. And I, I don't, I mean, when you sort of look back at, at what this season was, and again, I, I think you can probably pick a lot of pick apart a lot of different things, but he had to walk five rounds around whistling straights with 11 guys on his back. If for no other reason, he probably just needs to lay on the couch. And relax, at least for a little while longer. All right, as we come up, this week is the Zozo Championship on the PGA Tour. And immediately the, the conversation, and again, we have talked about this, goes back to 2020 in the Zozo Championship. Uh, last time it was played, last time it was in Japan. It wasn't played last year. Uh, um, I, I think... Last last year was 2020. You're talking about 2019, 2019 with Tiger? Yeah, 2019, 2020 schedule. But 2019 at the end of 2019. The, the, the part that... I guess, and again, this got me ratioed, which you take great joy in whenever I get Not the ratioed. first time. Was, was Lee Westwood involved? Will not involved? be the last. Will not be the last. And I guess when I, when I think back to that week being in Japan, it's just low expectations. I just didn't expect anything from Tiger Woods that week. Like There was no reason for me to think, yes, he had won the Masters earlier that year in 2019, but he played six events since then. He had had to withdraw from the first playoff event with a oblique strain. He'd had knee surgery on his left knee. And then he flew to the other side of the planet. None of those things is a recipe for success when it comes to Tiger Woods. I know we all want to be hopeful. Don't ratio me again. Don't at me. I, I too want to be hopeful that Tiger Woods can perform. But there was nothing in his body of work leading up to that. Which, and I would argue, makes that 82nd PGA Tour victory that much more impressive. Because he went out there with all these things going against him, with all these weather delays. We didn't play golf at all on Friday. He played 20 holes. I'm sorry, 30 holes 
on Sunday. All of these things going against him, going against Japan's favorite son and Hideki Matsuyama on a Monday finish to get that eight, record-tying 82nd victory. It, I don't know. We're not probably not at the point in his career where we're going to start ranking all 82 of those victories. But off the top of my head, that one goes in the top 10, just off the top of my head, for all of the reasons I just said. It really is amazing that you are so inactive on social media, and yet you get ratioed with incredible frequency, oh which, so which, which just leads me to believe that you have terrible takes. Like, um, that's the only reason you would get ratioed, that's a is, terrible it, is it's a terrible take. No, it's not. You, didn't, you agreed with me earlier this morning when I said it. There's nothing, again, low expectations. No, for I'm, I'm kidding. In 2019. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding about you having terrible takes, which is the reason why you're getting uh, ratioed so right. often, even though it's you because it's tired. In, inactive on social media. But there is a little bit of evidence, I guess, in recent histories to suggest that maybe that narrative of, oh, long travel, bad back equals bad play, uh, maybe isn't necessarily true. You think back to the 2018 Open Championship at Carnoustie, had an opportunity uh, to win that major championship. You think, obviously, the Zozo after 10 weeks away, after having arthroscopic knee surgery, after WDing from the playoffs uh, with an oblique strain, after having basically listless form after winning the Masters to, to have all of those confluence of events lead to his record-tying uh, Sam Snead victory was, yeah, very surprising. But just two months later, flying even further, going to Australia and being with all of that on his plate as a playing captain, uh, he, was, he performed the best of any player uh, on that U.S. President's Cup team. Maybe that narrative should have, could have been uh, debunked, but, but I'm with you. In terms of sheer surprise, yeah, that Zozo definitely ranks up there. Look, like in, in Tiger's prime, it seemed like he had off-season knee surgery every single year, and he would still show up at Torrey Pines and get it done. But that Tiger at 43, 44 years old, whatever he was at the time after 10 weeks away, after basically showing nothing since Augusta, it, yeah, it might not have been 10, top 10 most impressive victory, but it certainly goes top five most surprising. When you look at just the physical challenges that he had that particular week. Now, I, I do want to ask, because to see if this happened with you, when the press release rolled into your email box, uh, the Hero World Challenge field, the Hero field has been expanded to 20 players. You read that whole thing, didn't you? I mean, I, again, yes. I did not expect Tiger. Even Tiger all the way down to like the ticket information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, all, all about Hero. I, would, I read all the corporate information about Hero just to make sure that it wasn't thrown in there at the very end. Oh, yeah, and Tiger Woods is playing. Just to see. I, I knew he wasn't. We all know. What was, it, what was it going to say? Woods, comma, who, who gave himself a sponsor exemption, comma, will we'll tee it up for the first time in 2021. Is that, is that the sentence you were expecting to read? I, I mean, I wasn't going to miss it. I read it twice all the way to the bottom just to make sure. Tell me you didn't. No, but I'm pretty sure that would have been called out in the headline. I don't know if it would. I think this is going to be very quiet. You're I'm not saying even the, quite are sure. You saying, are you saying it. the editor of TigerWoods.com is, is, does not know how to properly convey the, convey the news? I don't know who the editor of TigerWoods.com is, so I wouldn't you want think to it's that person. You think it's uh, Tiger? No. No, no, I don't think it's Tiger. I'm not even quite sure Tiger does his own tweets. Do you think he does his own tweets? There was a, so there was a stage a couple years ago. Remember he said, like, if I sign it with dash TW, then that's like me writing it. Of course, Tiger doesn't write his own tweets. I think someone tells him what's happening on Twitter. I think someone's tapping out those messages for him. I think he's well aware of what we write, what we say. Uh, he's very much 
uh, omnipresent in that respect. But no, I don't think he's firing up uh, the Twitter machine, tapping out a tweet, pushing send, and then watching all the notifications flood through his phone. No, I do not think that that's happening. Now, before we get out of here, I wanted to do it on this, and it's a, it's something that happened in football with Aaron Rodgers. They were playing the Chicago Bears, and you have seen it, and I think most people probably have seen it. Aaron Rodgers runs for a touchdown and then proceeds just to berate the crowd with screaming, I own you. I've always owned you, which I thought was just one of the coolest moments from the sports weekend. But immediately my mind went to, has there ever been anything in golf that even could rival that? I guess I could think of some Tiger Woods celebrations back in the day when he was, you know, a couple of times when he would go head to head with, with Ernie Els and he, he didn't say it, but you could feel him thinking it. I own you. I mean, Tiger could have done that 82 times. I mean, just, just (laughs) looking, just, just looking at the guy, I own you. I know it, you know it, and you know that I know it. Like that's basically just Tiger Woods persona. Uh, Nothing immediately comes to mind about that. I think one of the, one of the cooler celebrations of the past couple of years uh, was JT talking about the president's cup when he teamed up with Tiger and he poured that putt in uh, on the final hole. And he said, I love me some me. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm not sure if he'd planned that and the weeks ahead of time. Uh, that's the only one that really comes out of mind. But I loved that moment from Rogers. Of course, he threw in uh, an expletive uh, yes, ahead of that. And thank you for doing on this family-friendly friendly podcast. Uh, but yeah, that was a very cool moment and a very clever way to get around the taunting rule, which is threatening to uh, sabotage the entire NFL season because the refs are just so eager to apparently uh, commend or condemn so much lack of sport, sportsmanship in the game. No, it was fun. The, the only other one I could think of, and, and this is this wasn't in the field of play. This was on Twitter. I can see Brooks doing that to, to Bryson. I own you. I've always owned you. That's at least that's actually that's that's assuming that Brooks is going to talk to Bryson during this match. So that's something to look forward to uh, in the next couple of weeks and months. A Zozo Championship. Ricky Fowler uh, getting back on the horse. Going to tee it up in Japan along with Xander Schauffele. Uh, back in Japan after winning his Olympic gold medal earlier this summer uh, tournament, Rex, uh, that you won. We're looking forward to seeing that as well. We'll wrap it up on next week's Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week.